am I? What's the kind of impact I want to have? Who do I want to be to my family? Who do I want to be as a partner? And like those questions kept coming up for me. I realized for me, I didn't really have much to kind of say to those questions. Mm. And once I took a step back and I really was looking at who it is that I wanted to be, that's when I realized that I didn't actually know who I was outside of all of these different accomplishments. So therefore, because I don't know who I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know who God created me to be, when life came my way, I didn't have an anchor, I would just pretty much go wherever the feelings took me. Mm. So for me, the pivot came when I realized that with or without any of these accomplishments, regardless of whatever transitions in my life, Once I am anchored in myself and who God created me to be, I have peace and therefore I can be still. And therefore I'm like, I'm, I'm within the rock of my faith and who God is. So whatever comes to me, I'm immovable. My name is Ashley White and I am the host of Joy on the Journey podcast, a weekly podcast all about defining, finding, and maintaining joy on the journey of life. I have promised transparent and honest conversations about joy. But this week, y'all, y'all, I'm a little nervous because, you know, I promise to bring to the podcast women that inspire me. And to this date, I have done that. But this is the first time, y'all, come a little closer. This is the first time that I'm interviewing an Emmy award-winning journalist. So, y'all, yeah, I'm excited. I have the pleasure of introducing to y'all Dr. Candace King. Dr. Candace is an Emmy award-winning journalist and scholar of African-American studies women's studies and surveillance studies. Dr. Candace has over a decade of communication training and experience, assuming sole responsibility of producing original news content on deadline for both broadcast and digital first platforms, including NBC News, NBC Black, Essence Magazine, and The Nation. Dr. Candace. It is a joy to have you on the podcast. I am elated to be here. And thank you for that lovely uh, introduction. When I talked to Dr. Candace, we had a good, good conversation in preparation for this so much so that we had to hurry up and get off the phone so <laughs> that we save something uh, for the recorded content con- conversation. So Dr. Candace, as I mentioned, this podcast is all about defining, finding, and maintaining joy. So as you've had a few, a few weeks or even, you know, more than that to kind of think of your definition of joy, how would you define it? You know, uh, when I first saw that question, I was thinking about Uh, all the things that brought me these sort of like extreme happy emotions. Um, I was also gonna go down that definition route by looking it up. 
But then when I looked over the period of my life um, and I thought about the times when I had immense joy, for me, it was tied to peace. So for me, joy is found in inner peace, inner stillness, inner groundedness. Because I have found that when I have that, it doesn't matter if I'm happy or sad or something's going right or wrong. I feel joy because I have that immovable peace. So I would say for me, that's where my joy comes from. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I love because whenever I feel I don't have it, I know I can run to God and get that. So for me, peace is, is everything. It's very much connected to uh, my definition of joy and my experiences of joy. And I wonder how long you've come to this place that joy was internal and that it was connected and interconnected with peace. That's a great follow-up question because honestly, I haven't always been this way. Um, You know, for me, I feel that I'm in my late 20s. So in the earlier part of my journey, um, I used to get so flustered when things weren't consistent or when life would do those inevitable cur- throw those inevitable curveballs, right? You know, and so there were times when, you know, things weren't going well and there would be nothing to really point to for happiness per se. And so what I then found was that in the midst of tumultuous times, peace is always there. And so that's where I learned to sort of focus on cultivating that as a space of joy, as opposed to seeking external and I would say, dare even say internal happiness, just because feelings are fleeting. And at times I know, even as believers, we may not always want to acknowledge that outright, because we're supposed to have, you know, joy, we're supposed to be ministers of the good news, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always look so pretty at times, especially when you're going through different um, challenging experiences. So for me over the years, that was something that God has put into my spirit that you may not always be happy all the time. Things may not always be going your way, but I have peace that I can give you. And to me, that peace has been such an anchor for me over, I want to say maybe the last two to three years, because I've gone through so many different pivoting experiences and transitions. And that has been like the one constant thing. Yeah. And I wonder too, was this modeled for you? Like, did you see growing up this, this kind of stillness and peace? Was this model for you and your family? Did you see women in your family kind of finding the serenity in the present? Um, was this model for you? Um, I would say yes and no. Okay. So yes, in the sense of, you know, my mom uh, has always encouraged us to be very um, serious about our faith. And so I saw the ways that um, she turned to God you know, as refuge, as a source of joy, as a source of peace. But no, in the sense that, you know, my mom is such a poised person uh, and I never really see her sweat. Hmm. And so for me, 
that felt like such high expectations to kind of live up to because I'm a little bit more dramatic. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit more when things are happening in my life, like I do wear my heart on my sleeve. It's very obvious. I There's no way for me to kind of play it off. And so uh, I would say, you know, knowing that she went to God, that's what inspired me to also go to God. And then that's how it led me to um, this sort of, you know, uh, stillness, if you will. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, my mother also modeled a piece, right, of... <laughs> Nothing was going to really shake her. Right. Um, but I am very much a, it is what it is. Right. Um, and so there's a balance to that where I wish I could be more still, but also I'm kind of like, no, I want to show the humanity of the moment as well. Right. Right. And I think that that's so important, especially as believers, you know, when we want to inspire other people to the faith or inspire people to keep the faith. I think it's important to actually be, you know, realistic about life's challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with my own journey, being able to be honest about how I was actually feeling proved to be so instrumental because the more you stuff things down, I feel like it opens it up so that things can overflow later. Mm -hmm. And I think that in addition to God calling us to a life of abundance, that means being able to be open to the flow. Mm -hmm. So if you're always stuffing things down, then it's hard to kind of not only receive, but just to flow through um, the journey. And so that's why I love being able to kind of still hold space for my feelings while also still be being grounded in this piece. And it's ironic that even when I have all these things and I let myself be dramatic, when I turn to my piece, that's where I'm able to have joy and I'm able to, you know, kind of dig deep and see this like new reservoirs within me. Uh, And I think it's just such a, it's something, it's, it's a pivot I made, I want to say very recently, but it's been tremendous. Mm -hmm. Like literally I could be having a totally crappy day, but because again, I've learned how to dig deeper into this. It's just crazy how I'm able to just still manage to find gratitude and, you know, be able to kind of you know, keep going, um, yeah. which is something that would not have happened, I want to say, a few years ago. <laughs> what do you think or have you been able to pinpoint that shift that you that you made? And do you think it was an intentional pivot that you made from um, being intentionally grateful and intentionally choosing peace and joy? Um, That's a great question. I think, so for me, it's inextricably tied with my professional journey. Okay. And so I know you have some like questions about that, but just if I can quickly touch sure, on Sure, no, that. let's just go there. Yeah, like I actually am overly ambitious and I am someone where I used to tie my value to box checking and being able to, you know, cross goals off my list. 
And it got to a point where for me, I was tying too much of my identity to these accomplishments. And I had a period in my life where, and I want to say this happened towards the end of my grad school uh, program. Um, So as you know, I recently graduated um, not too long ago. So I would say maybe in the last year or so when I was trying to figure out, okay, now that I've crossed this amazing thing off my list, you know, who am I? What's the kind of impact I want to have? Who do I want to be to my family? Who do I want to be as a partner? And like those questions kept coming up for me. I realized for me, I didn't really have much to kind of say to those questions. Hmm. And once I took a step back and I really was looking at who it is that I wanted to be, that's when I realized that I didn't actually know who I was outside of all of these different accomplishments. So therefore, because I don't know who I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know who God created me to be, when life came my way, I didn't have an anchor, I would just pretty much go wherever the feelings took me. Mm. So for me, the pivot came when I realized that with or without any of these accomplishments, regardless of whatever transitions in my life, Once I am anchored in myself and who God created me to be, I have peace and therefore I can be still. And therefore I'm like, I'm, I'm within the rock of my faith and who God is. So whatever comes to me, I'm immovable. Mm. Oh, wow. And I think that that's so important in life because again, someone like myself who is very career oriented, you don't always take into account that things are going to happen. And I say that because, you know, a lot of times they're always like, if you just go to school, do your work, keep your head down, you should be fine. Mm -hmm. And life will just surprisingly just work (laughs) out and and pass you and you just, you won't go through anything, but actually life happens to all of us. And it's so important to be grounded. And the thing is, I used to be someone where, like I said, these uh, accomplishments, they give you a high. They they give you the sense of, again, not only feeling uh, accomplished and and brilliant and all those things, but it does provide happiness in a way. But what happens when time goes on? What happens when, because again, with achievements, it's not every day you're getting awards or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's seasons for those things. So what's happening during those seasons when you're not getting those things? How else are you getting happiness? Right. And the Bible calls us not to find happiness in others. Mm-hmm. You know, so you also can't look to others for happiness. So I say that all to say it's it's an, it's about an inner fulfillment. It's about an inner stillness and an inner groundedness. And the last year taught me how to turn to my own uh, faith in who God created me to be as a source of uh, peace and, and joy. Oh, that's so interesting. And so it's so good, I think, because it speaks to the story. And we we talked about this too, the power of storytelling. And the story we tell ourselves, especially when you've been raised to, as you mentioned earlier, you go to school, you check, you get the degree, you check the box, you get the next degree, you check the box, you get the next degree. And when you're going to school, and and I've told people this, and 
sometimes it's hard to explain, but you're given a syllabus. And you understand that as long as you take these classes in this order and you get the passing grade, you'll get the degree. Life doesn't give you a syllabus. Correct. Life, there is no way, there is no, it's figure outable, but there's no, no lesson plan for life. Right. And so sometimes it is a whole lot harder for people, for, for those in academia, I, yes. I think, yes. um, because there is no regimen. Mm-hmm. I think I understand that struggle where school can sometimes be easier than life. I'm so glad that you said that um, because I think for you're absolutely right um, for a lot of academics uh, where, first of all, you're surrounded by people who are on the same journey as you. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily like interacting with, you know, different uh, backgrounds per se, as far as, you know, uh different gifts that people are bringing. It's all, everyone's in the same uh, Mm -hmm. journey, the same class, the same lesson plan, the same syllabus, that whole thing. And so once you are matriculating through that process, it feels like its own little world. And then when you exit it, it's something else entirely. Right. And for me, like, it's no surprise now. I mean, I remember looking back, I was very confused when I was when I was kind of going through this process, because I just thought that I would have all the answers and that things would just kind of be on a natural incline. And then I realized, like, actually, I'm now face to face with like real life, uh, interacting with like real people, you know, actually, like, trying to figure out, okay, who am I in this broader, Mm -hmm. you know, context, not in the context of, you know, a student per se. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that can be very uh, disorienting, especially for someone like myself who, you know, I've definitely been in school for a while and it's kind of become, you know, my way of life, like I was used to that particular structure, used to talking even in a particular way. Mm-hmm. I remember that like the first couple of times I had to actually figure out how to kind of talk <laughs> to my like family and like friends again, because, you know, academics, they're used to talking in a different way. Or you're just used to always having to have these talking points about the like latest book. <laughs> And, you know, you kind of get out of that environment and no one has read those books and, you know, you just have to really kind of acclimate. And so I say that all to say, Mm -hmm. you know, you really have to find who you are again. And that was the process that led me to uh, the revelations that I'm sharing with you today. Yeah. And I just want to I want you as you are continuing this journey to extend your own self grace because you have spent so much of your life extending yourself in the study of others that you haven't had the time to really study yourself. So extend your own self grace because you do have the rest of your life to invest in yourself. Thank you for that. Yeah. 
I see this as part of that too. You know, this conversation is even just bringing so many things up for me that I really love. So I appreciate you saying that. And for me, I I see this as the beginning and opening chapter uh, of that process. Yeah. I want to ask how you even got interested in the study of Black women in media. Yeah. um, So for me, that actually began with me being a journalist. Okay. So uh, one, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be a journalist since I was like, maybe six or seven. Uh, I was, yeah, I was one of those like really (laughs) kind of nerdy kids growing up. And um, I used to like watching news. And every time the news would come on, I would try to kind of recite the news. So um, my mom um, actually took notice of that. And she actually told me about the profession of journalism, because, you know, I didn't really understand what I was doing at the time. So once uh, she introduced me to that as a profession, um, I started writing a lot. I got involved in my school newspaper. I was then an editor. And then uh, I went off to study in college. Okay. And I was such an ambitious uh, student. I remember as a freshman in college, I told all of my journalism professors, I said, I'm going to be working at ABC, NBC, or CBS. I literally came in the gate saying that. I even had one professor tell me, Candace, you're going to have to start local. No one is going to look at your resume. Um, You know, but for me, I was just so intentional about what I wanted to do. I really didn't pay them any mind. And this is how I know God is so faithful. Mm. Because despite all of that, those, you know, comments, right after graduation, my first career was actually at NBC News. <laughs> so <laughs> I I always tell people, you and God are a majority. You don't need mm. everyone invest in your dream. Once you and God have made an agreement, it shall come to pass. And I'm a that again testimony to that. <laughs> All that to say, when I got to that place, which I even was surprised, even though it was something I wanted, I was so surprised that God blessed me, which sounds so weird to say. I thought I was going to be there for 20 years. In fact, I even thought I was going to be the next Lester Holt. (laughs) That was the trajectory I was on. However, um, during that year, uh, I was reporting on various um, stories, um, one of which was um, the killing of unarmed Black men, um, including Philando Castile and mm-hmm. Alton Sterling, God rest their souls. Um, they were, I'm not sure if you remember that summer, but they mm-hmm. were killed um, one day apart. And I remember being so overwhelmed as a journalist by the weight of covering those stories. And in particular, I was drawn to the videos and how they were circulating um, during that time. And also how the women in their lives Mm -hmm. were being spotlighted and how how the world was making sense of their grief. And within that, 
those stories, it was something that, as you know, as a journalist, there's a 24 hour news cycle. Mm -hmm. So there comes a point where you have to move on, but I couldn't move on from that moment. Uh, those were stories that I continued to carry with me. And I realized that I wouldn't be able to kind of move on until I'm able to kind of sit and make sense of these stories for myself. So that is actually what led me to graduate school. That's what led me to study representations of Black women, in particular representation, representations of Black women um, and police, because uh, my dissertation looks at uh, how police target Black women and how Black women respond within those encounters. Uh, and so for me, I always say that my dissertation is sort of like a post-mortem of my time at NBC News uh, because I'm writing through making sense of how these stories impacted me, not only as a Black woman, mm. but also uh, as a journalist on the front lines covering um, these stories, which is a very uh, unique perspective to think about, you know, especially, you know, for people who uh, are in this profession, you're oftentimes the first line of defense. Uh, and it is an enormous weight of yeah. responsibility. Yeah. And in addition to my race and my gender, it's extremely taxing as well, mm -hmm. um, doing that line of work. So I needed this period to kind of explore those feelings um, while also hopefully producing something that can help push us forward uh, and create better media uh, for our people. During that period, when you have a responsibility as a journalist to, um, in a sense, remain neutral, right? Um, and, and I say that I'll, I'll say that you have a sense, you have a responsibility to tell the story. However, as a Black woman, there is then a weight as a Black woman. What do you do with that weight, with the trauma of of the video, with the trauma of reporting, then with the trauma of studying and what do you do with the trauma of that as a as a person? Uh, that is a heavy question. And I'll be honest, if you had asked me this, I want to say maybe three years ago, I mm -hmm. actually wouldn't have an answer for you mm -hmm. because I wasn't really doing anything with it. It was so heavy at times that it did actually break me. Um, I didn't. As a result, at times, I didn't know how to write. I didn't know how to continue reading about these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so typically when I say uh, that I study African-American studies, people don't often uh, understand uh, that line of uh, study. And on top of that, they look at me sort of weird because it's not as official like, you know, biology or something like that. Um, but... The thing is, it's so comprehensive, and I don't think people really understand what goes into a discipline like African-American studies. In fact, I am trained in four, 
uh, areas of African American studies, which is uh, <laughs> literature, uh, cultural studies, history, and politics, say all <laughs> in, in, in one. And I say that because when you're talking about the weight and the trauma, it's not only an emotional weight, but it's also an intellectual one in a sense mm -hmm. that there's so many different components that go into understanding you know, how we've come to be. Um, historically, there's so much there to unpack. And then as we're thinking about what's going on now in the modern world, um, you know, just around Black studies, there's so many different entry points. And so at times it can be extremely overwhelming in addition to, again, all of the other sort of emotional um, uh charges that are present in there, which I definitely do feel, you know, as a proud Black woman. Um, but what I do now with the weight is, number one, I try to write from the perspective, and I don't even like the term survivor. I forgot, I was reading something and they were like, the, the, the wording that the author used was, you are an heir to an impressive mm. tradition. Ooh. And so I love that because that is what we are as Black people. We are heirs to an impressive tradition where we have been resilient. Yes. We have defied the odds. So I try not to focus or center the trauma, but rather I try to highlight our responses to that, the courage that we showed the brilliance that we showed, the resilience that we showed. And in keeping with the theme of the podcast, I also try to showcase the, the ways in which we've created joy for ourselves. Um, that is a critical part of the Black experience that we don't often, uh, I think, highlight enough, especially in conversations around the trauma that we experience. So for me, highlighting the joy uh, has been so hopeful for me and it has allowed me to effectively kind of balance talking and writing about these issues and uh, maintaining, I want to say, you know, a more stable and positive uh, mental health. Because for me, this is my passion and it's something that I do want to continue doing in some capacity. So I had to create a sustainable method for doing this kind of work. And so I think by doing that and incorporating that into um, the way that I study these things, uh, it's been so helpful for me. Ah, oh, I literally have chills. <laughs> Thank you for your work. Thank you for the the reframing, um, because I think it is so important how we speak about ourselves, how uh, how we allow other people to tell our story. Um, as as you said about. That's why this podcast is so important to me because it is women telling their story in their own voice because we have to own our story. We, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, because it tells who we are and who we are becoming. We didn't just show up here. Um, 
the legacy that we will leave behind is so important so that the next generation understands that they didn't just become who they became. It is so important as women that we uphold one another, that we support one another, that we encourage and equip one another um, to become all that we see in each other. That's why I want you to extend so much grace to yourself because who you are, who you have already become is like, sis, <laughs> you are already in your young age. What you have already just not just what you've achieved, right? Like what you've achieved is incredible. Thank you. But what you have yet to impact? Oh, man. I can't wait. And so I want to ask, as you, as you are considering coming out of this kind of checking the box how is that impacting your future direction mm. or yeah have you quite that. figured that out yet I love that so well one I just want to say thank you so much for your energy and just you know creating a podcast like this to give black women their flowers I think it's always just so sweet when we get it from each other so thank you for that it's really just been uh amazing uh to just be in your presence and uh receive that um and so for me as I'm thinking about you know the future direction and the type of value that I want to offer first thing is I don't want to do it from a place of uh, deficit or proving. I say that because when I look back on my life, I realized the mindset that I had from, you know, doing the things that I did was coming from this place of feeling like I lacked something and I needed to give in mm. order to prove my value mm. as opposed to the place I'm in now where I already have value. I know my worth. I know what I can contribute. And here is how I can offer something to extend or to partner. Mm -hmm. And those are two different mentalities to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those bring two different kinds of energies. And so for me, uh, in thinking about the next step, that's number one, my mindset moving forward. And I also think when you're able to come from that place, you're also open enough to recognize, you know, the other people that you are in community with in a way that also honors the value that they bring. So uh, I'm very uh, excited now that I'm in that mental shift to be able to create uh, from that space. Uh, number two, um, now that I have, you know, my journalism background and now the scholar background, I really would like to see an opportunity where I can bridge um, the value from both of those perspectives. Um, I think as I've talked with you, I do believe in the power of stories and the kinds of stories that we tell, not only others, but ourselves. And uh, journalism teaches you how to tell stories and scholarships make, scholarship helps make those stories have meaning. And so mm -hmm. now being able to put 
those stories together in a way that will not only appeal to uh, media and just you know overall good storytelling, but also be able to sew into us so that you leave with something. It's not just a feel good, but you also know more. Uh, and so uh, for me, uh, that's kind of the direction that I'm heading in. I'm still sort of sorting through what that will look like, although I have a few ideas, which more to come soon. Hopefully by the time this podcast launches, it's actually out. <laughs> so I'm praying and keeping that into existence. Uh, but yeah, for me, that's really uh, the direction that I want to you know, head in in this next phase of my life. And I'm so excited because I feel like empowered now. And I love giving from that place because I just think it makes the content a lot more richer and meaningful. Mm. A term that you said to me when we spoke on the phone was Godfidence. Yes. Can you describe for um, our audience what that means to you. Yes. Um, thanks for bringing that up because I feel like this pretty much ties in with what I was just saying, you know, earlier. Um, for me, uh, confidence is this innate knowing of who God created you to be and understanding that he gives you provision for his purpose. And therefore, you can go into the world being everything that he called you to be. And for me, Godfidence is understanding, like I said earlier, that me and God are a majority. So therefore, whatever I speak and it's in his will, I know for a fact that it will come to pass. And I don't necessarily need the approval or the sign-offs of the entire world to move forward in what he has called me to do. I think a lot of times, you know, when people talk about confidence, which is very important to have, it's very amazing to be confident. But the only thing about confidence is, is that's not an everyday thing. And in fact, when I see a lot of conversations around confidence, you know, people always say, even if you're not feeling it that day, just fake it. Mm -hmm. But with confidence, you never have to fake it. And it's something that's present every single day because God is an ever present on the days you don't feel like it and where your confidence may go, may go, or maybe is low. Godfidence is always high. Godfidence. You always have a full tank of Godfidence. And I think for me, that's what I kind of draw from and uh, sort of, you know, build on uh, whenever I'm you know, embarking on a new chapter or, you know, presenting myself, that's what I rely on, not my own confidence. A full tank of confidence. Oh, that's yep. good. <laughs> that's good. I want to ask, do you have like a daily practice or to seek God's face to, um, to ask him to inquire of him? Do you have a practice um, or a, a prayer or meditation? Absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, every day from the time I wake up, um, I have a period set aside for prayer. And that in that prayer, I always thank God 
for everything that he is doing in my life and for waking me up that day. I think it's very important to develop a gratitude practice because when you're giving thanks to God, I feel that, again, it sets the stage for the kind of day that you want to have. So that's number one. And then I also do take advantage of my Bible app. So I actually put an alarm on my phone where it pretty much like gives me like a scripture. And then they also have these amazing um, meditations as well. I have a friend, she uses Abide. So that's another app too. Um, It's the Abide app. They also have meditations. I just don't often, I don't do that one every single day, but I do the Bible app every single day. Um, And that one's great. And then I end the day also in prayer, uh, just thanking God for everything that he has been doing and, you know, asking him for clarity and uh, what I need to be doing moving forward. But those are the two things without a doubt that I do every single day is prayer in the morning and uh, a prayer in the evening. And I would say, I mean, this may not be daily, but I do try to have, you know, conversations with other believers at least once a week. I find that it really helps to kind of continue building on your faith and also get other ideas about how to, uh, you know, connect with God. That's how I found out about that app. So uh, for me, that's also uh, super important. And I think when you have a community of believers, it's just really amazing uh, to be a part of that, uh, you know, community. Yeah, absolutely. That was going to be my next question is how important is fellowship with other believers, other women to encourage and uplift you? Uh, more important than anything. Um, one thing I want to make sure I say is that I know people are sort of, you know, worried about the state of religion and like, you know, if faith is going to be a thing, I'm telling you, faith is very much a thing. Uh, more and more, I'm starting to see believers having this strong faith and it's so present in my conversations with my community. I just love to see uh, people on fire for God, especially women, especially uh, Black women. And so I do have a community of three Black women who are just incredible, so God-fearing, two of which are family members. That's my mom and my sister. um, And they inspire me so much with their faith. But then I also have um, another friend of mine who I met in grad school. And we actually both sort of kept each other accountable and prayed for one another. And in fact, we both graduated um, on, on the same at the same time, even though she's at another institution. But it was wonderful that our faith saw us through uh, this Mm -hmm. entire journey. So for me, those three women that I mentioned were absolutely instrumental to uh, even just my faith these last few years, which uh, was definitely uh, something that I needed uh, throughout this very difficult process of, you know, going through grad school. So uh, I definitely am so appreciative and thankful uh, to those women. Absolutely. So this final segment is your journey ahead. So as you are seeking the Lord for the next phase of your joy journey, you shared a little bit, you gave us a little highlight. Um, As you dare, 
as you seek the Lord for the next phase of your joy journey, would you dare share your hope for yourself for the over the next five years? Y'all, I'm excited. Well, one, I want to say I'm open to what God has in store for me, because one thing I have found along this journey is that uh, God has done exceedingly and abundantly above what I can even envision for myself. You know, I never actually thought I would be at grad school. I mean, like I said, I feel like, Lord, you already did an amazing thing with the NBC thing. You don't got to do much. <laughs> but I, I just, it's, it's funny how God just kind of continues elevating. Uh, and I remember, sorry for the sidebar, but no, you're fine. First year in grad school, I was kind of just thinking to myself, I'm not sure, you know, what's going on. I don't know why I'm here, like those kinds of things. And I remember um, telling my friend, I was like, you know, I already went to NBC and that was like my dream. And I don't, I, I'm just kind of, you know, a little bit lost right now. And she told me, she was like, maybe you being here is God telling you to dream bigger. Ooh. And so I say that to say, you know, being open to God's will and being open to where he wants to elevate and take your life is so important because for me, I didn't realize how small I was dreaming uh, with NBC, which sounds very weird to say, but I didn't realize how small my dream was. So uh, I'll just say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, God is, he's really, he's amazing, I have to say. He really is. Um, but if I can maybe speculate <laughs> and then I'll come back and, 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 and give up my praise report. But if I could speculate, um, I would really love to uh, hopefully publish uh, my first book. Uh, you know, that's like on my list of things. Um, and secondly, I definitely like to put myself out there a little bit more and become um, sort of a uh, speaker or analyst, if you will, um, around issues um, concerning Black women and media. Uh, so that would be uh, where I see myself. Um, but like I said, I am so uh, open to uh, what God has in store because I always tell him, please help me to see me the way you see me. Because if I can do that, I know that I'll be walking faithfully uh, in my purpose. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Ah, so many, so many, so many beautiful nuggets. Thank you so much, Candice, for sharing with the podcast. How can someone reach you if they wanted to um, read your research or they wanted to um, just support you in your future endeavors? Thank you so much for this conversation. It was amazing. I loved every moment of it. And if anyone uh, wants to reach me, um, I'm at Instagram uh, at Dr. Baddest. That's D-R-B-A-D-D-E-S-T. Um, I have my link tree there where they can uh, schedule a meeting with me. And also I have my links to my articles uh, and my book chapters and things like that there. So I look forward to, um, you know, connecting and uh, working and being in partnership uh, with, with you all. So that's Thanks. one place. 
Oh my God, y'all, please, please, please be sure to comment um, your favorite takeaway from this episode. I have too many to even begin to share today, but please like, share, and subscribe. Let me know until we gather again every single Thursday. May God increase your joy, grant you strength for the journey, and give you the courage to tell your story. Bye, friends. Take care.